Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And today we're going to discuss generosity and specifically using the offering moment, which every church has pretty much every week uh, to help people to take their next step in their journey of being a good steward and, of course, a generous follower of Christ. And with me today is Rodney Ross, the central team leader of giving and generosity at Life Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. And of course, they are in many, many states, many, many campuses, wonderful church. Rodney, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Leo. It's always an honor, and I, I love getting to uh, to spend time with you. Yeah, ditto. Well, generosity is a core principle of Christianity, and yet it seems to be one of the most difficult areas for believers to understand and regularly engage in, right? It's, it's a difficult thing for all of us. Uh, how much do we keep? How much do we give away? That's always a, a challenge. And what's interesting is that just about every week, churches all over the world have some kind of giving or offering moment to encourage giving. And still, what we know of giving and statistics is that perhaps as much as 50% of churchgoers give very little uh, to, to kingdom causes, if anything at all. Uh, and it's been my experience as a pastor for many years, having done many uh, counseling sessions, that people really have a desire to give, but often feel that they can't give for multiple reasons. So, Rodney, what are your thoughts on this? And do you agree that people are genuinely disposed to give? And what can we as church leaders do to help them take that next step toward generosity? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think about it this way, uh, man, our God is a generous God. Mm. He just, as I read the creation story recently, I was just struck by how many little things he did uh, as, as he created the world we get to live in that he didn't have to do, but he knew we would enjoy. And yeah. he was just so generous through creation. And then obviously he gave his only son so that, you know, after we messed up and sinned, uh, he gave his son so that we could be reunited with God, reunited with our, our creator. And, uh, you know, I think about Jesus and the life he lived, how generous Jesus was. Jesus gave hope. He gave healing. He gave of his time. He gave wisdom. He just gave. Mm -hmm. And then I think about the gift of the Holy Spirit and how powerful that is. Mm -hmm. uh, and we get that God actually lives in us and we get to benefit from uh, his, his teaching and prompting us. And so every aspect of God is generous. And the really cool thing is we're all created in God's image. That's right. And that means generosity is inside each one of us. And so a lot of what we get to do as pastors is help people connect with the generosity that, has got, that God has already placed inside of us. And that we're not trying to talk them into something. We're not trying to uh, sell them something. We're just helping them connect with how God wired us. And that is pretty, uh, it's a pretty cool thing we get to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love what you just shared. It so, you know, gave me goosebumps as I think about all the generosity that God has displayed as part of his character and the fact that he has invited us into this relationship. It is a generous act, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't have to make us. He didn't have to do any of this. And he didn't have to do it to the detail that you just described. So I love that. And then the fact that we as pastors and as church leaders 
have a desire to share that, something we know it's inside of us and something that gives us probably the the most joy and fulfillment in life is when we get to give, right? When we live as God intended us to give. Um, But we know that, as I said earlier, I think there is a um, physical and maybe emotional or fear, whatever comes in that prevents us from fully jumping into that. So there's a hesitation, almost a a fear of of giving. Um, And I think there's, there's multiple reasons for that, as I stated, but how can we help people become more generous or or to overcome those things? So let's talk about what motivates people to give so that we can help them to do so. Yeah. You know, well, well people are complex and there's a lot of different things that motivate people for different reasons. But um, there, there are five that are that are pretty well recognized as, as the most common. Right. And the first one is need. They hear about a need and we naturally want to respond and meet that need. Uh, it, it could be, uh, you know, a, an example would be a, a single mom is struggling to make ends meet uh, and has has a particular need for a, a, a car repair, for example. Uh, man, we hear about that. We want to help. We want to respond to meet a need. So need is, is a motivator. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is emotion. Uh, I can't think of how many times I've heard a powerful life change story and and that brings up emotion in me. And I want to be a part of that story. I want to I want to to give toward uh, things like that so that others can have that that story. And so that emotion is a motivator. Uh, Another one is vision. People are motivated when they hear strong vision. And so I think about that, like, hey, what is what is our church doing? What how is God moving through our church? What are we excited about? Where are we going? Where are we headed? Mm-hmm. That uh, in uh, people want to be a part of a strong vision. Yeah. Uh, and then obedience is another strong motivator uh, that, you know, God says that he wants us to be generous and wants us to, to give back to him and put him first in our finances. And so as, as people hear about that and that, you know, they want to be obedient to what God instructs us to do. So mm-hmm. obedience is a powerful motivator. And then the last one is some is one that sometimes we overlook, and that's relationship. Uh, as pastors, we build relationships with people. Uh, we have relational equity. And sometimes the, the motivator that people need to step into generosity is just for us to ask them to do that. Uh, there are people that, that are, that you know, maybe their, their thought process is like this. Well, you know, Leo, man, Leo is my pastor. He was there for me when I was struggling in my marriage. And uh, he was there when my mom was sick in the hospital. And he cared for me deeply during some really hard times in my life. And if Leo asked me to, to give, to be generous, I'm going to do that because of uh, because Leo is asking. My pastor is is asking, and that reminds me that often uh, we don't have because we don't ask. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of times that that applies to when we're thinking about generosity is just inviting people into generosity can be really powerful uh, because of because of relationships. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that uh, it happens almost every week in churches. As you said, people are very complex. They come from different backgrounds, different things that are going on in their lives. And sometimes, depending on that maturity level, whether a person is just new to the to the faith or just visiting a church, there's so many different yeah. things there. Um, we need to we need to help people people understand the reason for the offering moment because I think it could be so easily misunderstood, especially for people who aren't really familiar with haven't been in church most of their lives. They don't understand, okay, this is just part of the service and it's a way we worship. 
So what's the main purpose? How would you define the main purpose for the giving or the offering moment? Yeah. You know, for me, I, I kind of think about it as uh, we want to create a space for God to do uh, what only he can do. Mm-hmm. You know, generosity really is something that's created inside of each of us. And we just have to connect with that and, and act on it. Uh, and that's what we want to do is we want to help people do that. But really, we're talking about a heart issue. And the heart is God's domain. That's where God can move people in ways that we can't. So a lot of times we're just creating a space uh, and inviting people into that, that moment where God can do what only he can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It is part of the worship service, right? Yeah. Many churches use the language, I know ours does, where they say we now are moving from, you know, worship and, and as in says, like singing and not all of that into a time of worship through our tithes and offerings, right? So that is also worship. And whatever happens on a Sunday morning, we all hope in the church world, uh, we all hope that it worships and honors God, right? We're not coming yeah. together for just our benefit. We're coming That's together right. to worship together the God who's been so generous to us. Um, so as long as we we do that, as long as we help people understand, this isn't something we do in order to do something that's earthly. It's actually quite yeah. uh, spiritual, what we're asking yeah. you to do. And Absolutely. giving God that space to do that in people's hearts, you know, to really speak to people uh, in areas where uh, they may not trust God as much as they God wants them to, right? Yeah. God wants all our hearts. He doesn't want part of it. And giving is that constant tug between am I trusting God or am I trusting myself or the world uh, or the things that I have. So it's a, it's challenging, but I think it's such an important part of, of, of the service as a worship. uh, Yeah. And, you know, I I think it's good to recognize there's there's other um, kind of sub purposes. You know, we certainly want to create that space for God to do, do what only he can do. But, you know, it's also an opportunity to do some teaching. And, you know, there, there are folks, especially um, when you when you think about the, their level of engagement, there, there may be folks attending that we actually don't know that, you know, they haven't signed up for anything. They haven't given yet. Uh, we don't we don't have their email address. So, you know, we don't have ways to reach them, uh, don't know their phone number. Um, and so that offering moment may be our only opportunity to speak. Uh, to that particular audience. Um, and so it's a great opportunity to potentially teach uh, about generosity. Uh, you know, it's it's also an opportunity to invite people to take their next step in the area of generosity. And so that, you know, it kind of goes back to that relationship uh, component that we talked about. Uh, as a pastor, we get to ask people to take their next step and, and uh, trust God and put him first in their finances in that moment. And then, you know, I also think about it's an opportunity to thank and appreciate those who are giving consistently. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's it could be that we, uh, one, just thank and appreciate them, but we can also help them connect their giving to ministry outcomes or ministry impact. And that can be a really powerful thing in, in that moment as well. And one of the things that, that happens when we do that is it appeals to others that may not be giving yet, uh, to step into that. So there's a lot of uh, other things we can do in that moment. Yeah, I like what you just said here at the end, because, you you know, as we said earlier, it's within us to give, right? We're creating in God's image, who is a giver. And so we do need to awaken that. And many times when we watch others give, it inspires us to give. We want to be involved. Yes. This, is, this is such an opportunity that we can, we can thank the ones that are giving and inspire others to be part of that. There was that's right. So, so that's awesome. Um, 
Now, language really matters because, uh, especially on this topic of giving. So how do we navigate coming, not coming across sounding manipulative, especially for people who are new to the faith or just visiting? I remember when I was a pastor, one of the duties that I had is after service, I would go into what we call a guest central and I would meet people that were visiting. And many times people would invite a friend or a neighbor or a family member. And I remember one time a lady came right after service and she was very upset, I can tell. And she was there, she was there by herself, uh, but she told me that she had brought a friend who had been talking, she'd been talking to this friend, bringing her to church for a long, long time. And of course, the pastor talked about money and she was very upset about that because she said, you know, I finally got my friend to put her guard down and come and the pastor's talking about money. And I thought, wow, you're not, you're missing it because yeah. the reason the pastor talked about money is not because he was trying to get that person to give. It was because he was trying to bring that person into a relationship with God. Yeah. And, and, but she didn't see that. She thought, well, you know, I'm here to convince my friend to accept Jesus. And it's like, but do you want your friend to accept Jesus without that part? Probably not. So anyway, my point is that language matters. And in this situation, this person felt like the message, now I don't know if this person that came with this member was impacted the same way she was. I'm not sure yeah. that she was offended. I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe God spoke to her. I would hope that he did. There's a reason why the pastor spoke about money. Yeah. But language matters. And and this person was offended and you know, thought, you know, what he said was probably coming across wrong to this person. So how do we navigate not coming across sounding manipulative uh, during that giving moment and even in our messages? Because we want people to understand the reason why we say what we say. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, we're we like we said at the beginning, you know, generosity really is a heart issue. And, and that's kind of God's domain. Mm -hmm. God is the one that moves in, in, in people's hearts. And, you know, we, we can't control that. And so one of the things that I found really encouraging is just recognizing that, hey, my, my job is just to communicate well. I have to let God own the outcome. That's and good. I think about the parable of the sower where, you know, the, the sower is throwing seeds and the, the seeds fall on different type of ground and you get different results. And so what I suspect happened that day is, is as the pastor was teaching about money, I suspect there, there were some people that really got it, that they connected with that and, and that really it, it changed their perspective about money and, and they, they changed the behavior uh, to, that, that drew them closer to God. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this particular person wasn't there yet. And so, you know, as I as I think about the language, I, I think some, there there are some things we can do to help people get there more quickly, uh, and and hopefully be more fertile ground uh, to to use that parable of the sower analogy. Um, but the the first one is really how we think about giving. Mm. And so, you know, if we're thinking about giving as a financial transaction between the giver and the church, and that's how our language communicates it, we're, we're really missing the mark. Uh, that is a component, but what we're really talking about is a spiritual transaction between that person and God. Yeah. And when our language represents that and clearly states that, and uh, I, I think about it like we want to take the church out of the middle of that language. We don't want it to be about, about our church. We want it to be about God. Yeah. And when, when God is the hero of the story, it's much less likely that we're going to communicate that all we want is your money or that it, it's, it's about the money uh, because it becomes about God. 
And that's that's where the the message is more powerful. It's more appealing, uh, and is is more likely for people to get it. Well, I do hope that you're enjoying this conversation, and we're going to come right back to it. But I want to take just a minute to introduce you to one of our ministry partners. CSN's ministry would not be possible without the help of our partners, and frankly, we wouldn't want to do it without them. What they offer to churches and church leaders through services, content, and resources that they have is invaluable to building a healthy stewardship ministry and helping their people to become good stewards and generous givers. This episode of the Stewardship Leader Podcast is sponsored by Generous Giving. We help host conversations about God and money in a neutral environment that never asks you for donations. These gatherings have led thousands to experience renewed purpose, stronger families, passionate marriages, and deeper relationships with God. To learn more about hosting a generosity retreat with members of your church, go to generousgiving.org. The other thing with that is um, around really that that concept of, of making it not about the church. And so part of what is really powerful is demonstrating kind of an open-handed posture uh, with resources. And, you know, one of the ways that we've done that is what we call the, t- the take back offering. And um, our pastors will say, um, there, there may be some of you here today that are in immediate need uh, of food or shelter. And if that's you today, if there's loose cash in the bucket as it passes by, you have my permission to take that out and let God meet your need in that way. And that's a really simple statement. And, you know, the reality is there's not always a lot of loose cash in the in the buckets. Uh, People don't give a lot of cash these days. But what we what that communicates is, hey, we're trusting God with this. This isn't life church's money. This isn't our church's money. This is God's money. And if he chooses to meet your need in that way, we're all about that. Yeah. And that takes the focus off of Life Church and really helps send the message that, hey, this is a spiritual transaction between you and God. God is working through this. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I love that. That just speaks so much um, care, right? Yeah. That a church that's passing a plate to collect money would say, hey, if you have a need, just take it. That's, yeah. that's, smart. that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So what other practical ways do you guys use? Is that it or do you have others? Yeah. So there's other ways to demonstrate that it's not about the church. And so some of that, uh, we talk about the things that we get to give away. And mm-hmm. so we'll talk about things like the Bible app. Uh, we're, we're able to give that away for free. And yeah. the reality is it's not free to give it away for free. We actually True. spend a very significant amount of money uh, to be able to give that away for free. Um, but, you know, there, there's with just like any other app, we can make a, a revenue stream by putting ads in the Bible app, for example, yeah. uh, a significant one with, with as many people as are engaged with it. But we're not going to do that because we don't want to get in between uh, intimacy with God through his word by disrupting it with some type of an ad. And so that's just another way we're able to demonstrate, hey, it's not about bringing revenue into the church. It is about intimacy with God. It's about you connecting with your creator uh, and and have hope and salvation through his son. And so keeping the story about God and not about the church in any way really furthers that message. Um, 
the resources we give away for free. We we love you know we'll we'll share that story. How we we love to resource other churches. If we create something and another church can use it, that's great. We're going to give that away for free. So all of those things kind of demonstrate that open handed posture of hey, it's not life church resources, it's God's resources, and we're just trying to steward those really well. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that. Uh, just the transparency I think matters a lot because people yeah. just want to know that that where they're giving is one. Yes that it's a trustworthy place, that it's going to be stewarded well, um, that it's not going to be misused, uh, which yeah. no one wants to be part of that, especially deep committed believers yeah. uh, usually are also very good stewards. And so they're going to gauge, you know, the stewardship of the church, and they're going to decide, can I trust the tithe right. to this group of people? Um, so we need to, as church leaders, we need to model good stewardship and generosity. And, and those yeah. all of those things do that so well. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. And so I love that you brought up transparency too. That that really is important. Where wh- how are these resources being used? Mm-hmm. And that's something we chose to do a, lo- a long time ago. We actually post our financials on the website. Yeah. And anyone members or non-members anyone can go to the website and look look at the financials. And mm-hmm. it's just another way of being transparent which inspires trust. Yeah. I love that. That does inspire a lot of trust. Yeah. All right. So all right, now p- people are different uh, they're in different steps in their spiritual journey, of course, in their uh, financial situations, and even in their beliefs and generosity, depending on how how long they've been on this journey. So how do you communicate about generosity during the offering moment and take all these things into account? Yeah. How, do you, how do you do that? Because, I mean, there's so much variety of people. Yeah. How do you do that? Do you, do you try to do it all at once? Do you do it differently? Kind of dig into that a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think so. So for, for most churches, I think we have a very limited time to communicate during that offering moment. Um, for for us, it's probably going to be, you know, a maximum of two minutes. Uh, and in some weekends, depending on what else is going on, it may be 30 seconds. Uh, so it's it's a relatively short amount of time to communicate. So it really is, uh, it, you know, it's very, very unlikely you'd be able to communicate to everyone every time. And so uh, I think, you know, probably a better approach and what has worked effectively for us is mixing it up. And so recognize that uh, I'm going to be speaking to a little bit different target audience every weekend. But over a period of, you know, six to eight weeks, I'm going to have tried to communicate with everyone uh, that's out there. And so one weekend, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, we just not too long ago celebrated Easter. And so uh, there are a lot of people visiting that don't normally come to church. Yeah. That's a great weekend to focus on bringing in new givers or inviting people that have never taken a step to put God first in their finances. That's a great weekend to focus on that audience. Yeah. And so we would craft our language that, that's very appealing and inviting people to take their first step, whatever that is, into generosity. And then other weekends, another example could be that you know maybe our senior pastor is doing some spiritual depth uh, in his message series. Well, that might be a great weekend to grow our givers and talk about the importance of of, uh, spiritual depth in the area of generosity uh, as well. And so, uh, you know, we just try to fit it with what's going on in the weekend. But the key is to make sure that we're rotating that and not saying the same thing every time. 
if we that's a that's a rut that that we can fall into because it uh, you know it gets comfortable. Uh, it's something we're familiar with, so it feels good to us. Uh, and so we say the same thing over and over, and it may be really really good, but it's gonna it's gonna only hit a specific audience, and it's likely that we're missing the opportunity to reach parts of our audience. Yeah, I I mean I can understand, and I and I love the fact that you're focusing on different ones to more specifically speak to them. But my guess is just not knowing your language specifically, but my guess is that you're not being exclusive. You're still being inclusive of everyone to some degree, but then you're really focusing on one group at a time. Yeah. Like I said, knowing the audience and knowing like on a Easter weekend that you have a lot of new people, then it makes sense to address them. Um, They have the greatest need to be involved in generosity because they probably aren't at this point. So I love that. That's, that's very strategic. And I, you know, this is the thing that I think sometimes people struggle with in the church world. They think, well, you know, church services is supposed to be, you know, dogmatic and structured and, you know, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of do his thing. True, but that doesn't mean you don't have to have a plan. And I love yeah. the way you guys do that. And recently you and Donna uh, N- Nicholson, Steve from LCBC did a webinar for CSN on this very topic. And so I encourage anyone that's listening to go to that. It's on our website, ChristianStewardshipNetwork.com, under the video resources. And you can watch that. And uh, Rodney shares these three different types of people that are in the audience that they speak to and they craft a language around. But also used an example where he used an example of a person um, and a story to to directly say something specific to all these different three types. So we're not going to cover that here for the sake of time, but I just encourage you to go to that because it does give you an understanding of how you're going to craft that language differently for the different types of people that are in that audience. Um, that, that was really, really good. So I just encourage you to do that. All right. So let's talk about the offering moment. Where does it fit into the overall teaching of generosity at your church and where should it fit? Because it isn't just about that offering moment. I think I think we need to do more than that. So, give me some thoughts on how do you do that beyond uh, the offering moment? What is the fit? Yeah. yeah, you know, I think that um, the when I think about the offering moment, there's that there is that unique audience that we don't know what very well. We don't have we're not connected with them in other ways, right. and so the the offering moment is the only time to talk to that audience. And so I think you have to recognize that and and use that offering moment to reach that audience, which is the only time we can speak directly to them. Um, so I, I you know I do think that is important, um, but I also think that uh, in general the offering uh, moment is a, an invitation to go deeper. It's kind of this broad net and an introduction to generosity. Uh, it's going to be short, uh, so you know it needs to be compelling uh, and and prompt people to take a step toward generosity. And then I think it's really important to have uh, specific action steps that you're asking people to take. And so, you know, perhaps um, we're perhaps the focus is going to be a little bit toward uh, stewardship. Maybe we get a sense that there are a lot of people struggling with debt, for example, and that's preventing them from fully stepping into generosity. Well, maybe we talk about that in the offering moment. And the next action step is uh, to sign up for a small group uh, that is going to be focused on uh, stewardship. And so maybe it brings in an outside resource uh, like financial peace or uh, some of the good sense uh, content, uh, lots of different content out there, but just inviting them into that next step really 
um, uses the offering moment is that broad net. Uh, those that are interested and ready to take a next step to go deeper, then have a specific action step that they can follow. Love it. All right. So from your experience, though, what what have you seen helps believers grow in their giving the most? What would you yeah. say is that that uh, one thing or potentially a couple of three things that helps them to really grow and take that next step? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think the biggest thing is when people actually understand uh, that that God gave first. And I think as, as people understand how generous of a God we get to serve, I think the natural response is to be generous ourselves. And so, you know, I think that's part of the opportunity is to, is to help people understand and see the, the goodness of God and the generous nature of God. Uh, and as people do that, that's really a prompt. As people understand that, that really is a prompting uh, for them to take a step. And then another one I think is, is seeing the church or other people be generous and, and kind of model that behavior, I think that naturally stirs the generosity that's already inside of us. And people want to take a step. They want to be part of that. Uh, I, I heard a story recently about two couples that were really good friends. And one of the couples, the, the, the husband lost his job. And so they were down to one income and were really struggling financially. And this other couple was walking with them through that journey. Mm-hmm. And the the it was it was months. Uh, it was a long stretch of of uh, being a one income family, um, and he was able to get a great job uh, through this process. And the first thing he did, he gave his entire first paycheck back to God, wow. and that was so impactful on the other couple uh, that that started their generosity journey. Uh, they just couldn't understand how. Uh, you know, could you, you've been struggling financially for months and months. How could you give your very first paycheck? And it was in that moment, he was able to explain uh, that, hey, God actually gave me this job. And I'm so grateful. I couldn't do anything but give back to him and and show my thanks in that way. So it was a, it was just a powerful act of worship. And so I think as, 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 as a church or as, as pastors, as we can model that for people, that's really helpful. Yeah, I agree. One one of our uh, partners, Generous Giving, has, as you know, this Journey of Generosity event. It's a 24-hour event that couples and individuals can do together. And it's, it's this experience where you're just watching a bunch of videos of people that are that have made significant changes in their lives to be able to be more generous. And it's so inspiring to watch these videos and see. And, and they're from all walks of life, everything from people who really in most eyes would think they don't have anything to give. They live literally day to day, and yet they have an act of generosity every time they cook a meal or something. And and it's those kinds of uh, modeling that really helps us to understand generosity deeper and to draw out, out of us this, this DNA kind of thing that God's put inside of us that says giving will make you fulfilled. It will make you happy. It'll, you know, I put it in there for a reason so you can exercise and, and receive that. Because mm-hmm. truly... Uh, giving is better than receiving. As odd as that may seem in a natural sense, I think we would all agree to it that when we see someone really benefit from a generous gift, all of us are moved uh, to see that. And so that's an excellent story of someone who experienced generosity and in them welled up the desire to be generous. And yeah. it's probably going to change the way they they do everything going forward because of that experience. That's right. God met their need through an actual you know, person, a couple. That's amazing. Yeah. 
All right. So as we as we get closer to the end of this uh, great discussion here, um, we mentioned at the beginning that the, uh, that believers and people are naturally disposed to giving. Um, it is part of who we are. So what practical things can a church do to help people be more generous? You mentioned some of them, but let's make sure that we don't just talk about the offering and giving moment, but we also talk about something you mentioned, which is what if people aren't able to give? Yeah. Because I think most people have a desire to give and just need to awaken that inside of them. But I think a lot of people are in financial situations that whether it's of their own making or because they just happen to be there in a moment, they just don't see a way to give. So how do we, how can we help people both in the spiritual sense of inspiring them to give, but also providing a way for them to be not just givers once in a while, but givers for a lifetime? What would you say yeah. we can do about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, that it all has to start with relationship. Uh, and I, I think about uh, that in terms of in, in order to help someone identify their next step, we have to know where they are. And, and I think about that like any of the, the maps applications on our phones or the, the GPS systems, uh, you know, all of those, the very first thing that happens when you when you go to those is they figure out where you are. Right. And then they can tell you where you want to go. Uh, and what your next step is in in that in that uh, route, and so I think that's part of it is we have to be willing to get to know people, and sometimes that's messy, mm -hmm. and uh, we have to be willing to go there because once we get to know them, then we can identify what their next step likely is, and and can help encourage them to take it. And as part of that, I think we have to um, uh, work on making sure that they're bought into that. And so if we can help them identify their own next step, they are a lot more likely to take that step. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes through that relationship, what we're doing is we're encouraging them to take a step. And that may that may happen immediately. Some people are quick to take action. Others, it might be years of planting seeds before they're willing to take a step. And, you know, I think I think uh, we have to go back to letting God own that outcome uh, because our success or failure isn't defined by whether that person takes that next step uh, yet. Our measure of success is whether or not we are willing to step into the conversations and, and love them and invest in them uh, and encourage them to take those next steps. Yeah. That's good. And it's it's also, I mean, on a practical side, yeah. um, we need to go there with them as far as the finances are concerned. Like, how do That's we help right. them? And I think uh, for a church, this is something that I found to be the most effective way to disciple people in this area, both in the stewardship and generosity, because they are they are connected. I mean, you can't be That's a good right. steward uh, and, and not be a giver, and you can't be a giver without being a good steward. So it's kind That's of right. one of the way we say it is two sides of the same coin. Ultimately, though, we need to find ways that we can equip people, and that can be done in multiple ways, right? I mean, I know if, when I was at, on staff at church, we had a pastor that would, you know, very, very often mention giving, but also would uh, weave in different principles of stewardship, everything from saving yes. to trusting God with, uh, you know, with our career when we make choices. So everything that related to our our decision making around money and possessions. He would talk about those things. And the reason he did, it wasn't that he was asking for anything. He had a very specific time when it was an ask, when there was, you know, the giving moment or something like that. But most of the time when he would weave it in, it was because he recognized this is something that people deal with every day. So they need godly wisdom. And so he would just share sermons on what Jesus taught and what, you know, the Bible says about money and possessions. 
And of course, then we had some small groups so people could do life on life and walk that out and understand what the Bible says about these different topics. Um, topical classes on debt, you know, helping people get out of debt. You mentioned Financial yeah. Peace University. What a great content that really motivates people to shed debt and get out of it because it's not good good for them, right? That's and then, right. of course, other other type of things, like you said, which is to dig deep and do life on life, the one-on-one -on -one approach to say, you know, sometimes you just need to walk with people hand in hand. And that might require you providing financial help or providing financial wisdom but all of that is part of this equipping. It's part That's of right. helping, as you said, it help people take their very next step there, uh, you know, in generosity. Uh, and I think it is developing both the stewardship muscle right. and the generosity muscle. That that's exactly right, and you know, just as 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 pastors, as we're as we're entering in these conversations, as we're building relationships, as we're getting to know people. You know, we don't we don't have to do all of that work directly ourselves. We can have small groups, like you said, that we can point people toward. We can have content that we point people toward. Um, and a lot of times, I, 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 matter of fact, I think you you've talked about this really well in the past. Is uh, you know that one-on-one -on -one financial mentoring that often is is a little ways down the road as people have done some foundational work uh, right. to be prepared to step into that type of one-on-one -on -one coaching. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a journey for all of us. Yeah, and because I've been doing it for a long time doesn't mean I don't continue to be taught and inspired to continue staying faithful on that journey because money is a is a lure. Um, it's yeah. you know it's something that can catch any of us and can drag us into. Uh, into being discontent or just frankly, just feeling like we don't have enough or wanting more. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, you said at the beginning, God has created all these things for us to enjoy. And it would be foolish for us to say earthly things are all evil and we should not be entangled with them. That's not true. Uh, God created the world for us to enjoy, but it's never, it was never designed to please us outside of a relationship with God. It can't. That's right. And so these things would God wonderful these things without god terrible terrible outcome uh, so so grateful that that you shared everything you shared today any last words as we uh, close up oh man you know I, I really do think about um that letting god own the outcome and how powerful that is uh you know if 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 we step into ministry and and we're looking at our systems our programs the way we communicate and we're looking for a specific outcome uh, and like, like, let's say, okay, my, my goal is to walk away with this meeting with this person having given, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as we set those outcomes, um, if, if that happens, then that could lead to pride. We could start thinking, wow, I'm pretty good at this. Uh, I was able to achieve my goal. Um, or if it doesn't happen, that can lead to discouragement. And maybe yeah. we could start carrying a weight that God's not asking us to carry. And so I think if we keep our focus on having the conversations and lead, you know, prompting and encouraging people to take their next steps, that keeps the focus on, on God and letting him own that outcome. It may be that they're not ready to take a step today, but we've just planted a seed that in, a, you know, in, in some period of time, someone else is going to come alongside them as well and uh, say just the right thing at the right time where they're willing to take a step. But part of that is because we planted the seed. And so uh, I think letting God own the outcome keeps us in the right place spiritually, where it's not about us. It's not about our abilities. It's it's all about God. Uh, and I think that's really healthy. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, I mean, thank you for uh, just saying that, because we do need to keep our focus as church leaders. It needs to be about what God is doing, not about what we are doing. 
because then we measure our, our success or failures based on that. And uh, as you said uh, so well, it's it's really about being faithful with our part, which is just right. continue to associate, continue to serve people and point them to God. And God God is always in charge of the outcome. We have no control over that. That's so, right. Wonderful. Thank you, Rodney. Well, I want to just thank all of you for listening to this podcast. I hope it was uh, beneficial to you. If you're a church leader, I hope this information uh, is useful because you're more than likely involved in that offering moment in some way, and your church is involved in helping people disciple them in this area. If you need inspiration, if you need support in doing that, that's what CSN is all about. Uh, We are here to equip and train pastors to teach their people how to manage money God's way and also become joyful givers for a lifetime. Our hope is that you would connect with us, that you would let us come alongside you and help you to become better at this. Uh, Anything we can do, we're here to serve you, and I hope that you would reach out to us. Again, you can find us at ChristianStewardshipNetwork.com. We have a lot of resources. We have events. We have all kinds of uh, things that we can help you, uh, and also relationships. We know a lot of folks that are in this area of financial stewardship, how it serves the church, and all these organizations are set up to help you, whether it's curriculum, whether it's resources and platforms for giving, all kinds of things to help you to do this well. So let us come alongside you and be a ministry partner. Thank you again for being part of this. Uh, We hope it was beneficial, and we'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader.